You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. another episode of the Deuce Bags podcast where we are going to review the Australian Open and we are also having a new guest who is going to take us through the developments in US tennis. So the listeners will be happy to know that as we predicted Djokovic indeed had a good tournament and he did indeed winning the tournament while in the ladies side it, it was we almost got it there where we said that if Serena doesn't win we have no fucking clue who else would win and it turned out to be Angie Kerber who had a great tournament and had a fairy tale win in this tournament. So let's get into this episode right now. Hey, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Shri. Thanks for having me on. So since this is your debut and we, all of us have talked about our tennis roots and how we got into the sport, following the sport, let's hear your story about how you got into tennis. Um, I think how I got into tennis was when I was really young. Uh, it's great, great exercise. Um, now, I played a lot of other sports growing up, but I always followed and he's always been my favorite. A lot of people don't like him. But um, Pete Sampras, always my favorite tennis player, followed him. I was never an Agassi fan. So that's kind of got how, how I got into it. A lot of my friends played when I was young. So, yeah, I, it's great exercise and it's a great sport. Absolutely. I think long-time followers of the sport must have fallen in love with Pete Sampras, as you said. So we can consider that Pete Sampras is your all-time favorite player? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like a lot and- of other guys. I really like Andy Murray a lot, but... Dan is just pumping his fists there. And Umara is not happy about this. No one more person to join going against the gang of Federer. No, I'm not happy at all, actually. (laughs) I think we need to rethink this guest. (laughs) 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 And I've recently discovered a very dark side to Joe. He doesn't like Nutella. Uh 
Oh, it's gross. I was was just told my son that, who's a big Nutella fan, and he goes, I just can't comprehend that they're people who don't like Nutella. I said, neither can I, son. But they do exist among us. But, yeah. And now he doesn't like Federer either. So that's just not good. (laughs) I think I'll just sign off. See you later, guys. (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's good. Good. We need um, lots of people with different favorites and opinions and things that's good so so joe anyone on the ladies side especially whom you're a big fan of present off from the past um well obviously i do like serena now i know she rubs people the wrong way um from the past uh monica Sellis. always like monica always a big fan <laughs> are you okay there Shreya? <laughs> No, it's good to hear that someone actually is a huge fan of Celis. Uh, because as I told in the initial part, she's so grossly underrated in terms of I fans. agree. I totally agree. So it's good to find a fellow fan. So you don't worry about um, what Umara <laughs> says. You, you're always welcome now. I'm oh, joking. He knows it. I'm joking. Oh, of course. Yeah. Even though Nutella is disgusting and most Americans will admit to that. Right now, now I'm not joking. <laughs> we're going to fall out, you and me. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> no, no, we're not really. So let's get into the main parts of the pod, talking about the Australian Open. So Dan, coming to you, would you say pretty much as expected? There was the scare in the middle for Novak, but pretty much expected? Yeah, apart, yeah, apart from the Gilles Simon um, round of 16, he was he was phenomenal the whole way through. He, he made he made Andy Murray and uh, Roger Federer, you know, look like second rate players. And the ability Pedest- to just, the ability pedestrian is the word <laughs> exactly. And to be able to do that, um, and Nishikori as well, you know, he ranked seven, seeded seventh. You know, he's taken three of the top seven and made them look absolutely amateur, and. None of them knew how to combat him. Gilles Simon got close, but I think that was more to do with uh, Novak's own errors, um, lackadaisical play, and and one or two uh, t- timely winners from Gilles Simon, but nothing really um, Vavrinka-esque. So yeah, it, we said it, and we said that Andy Murray was the underdog, the the you know the one to to pick um, that's unexpected to win, and he was the second seed, and that's what we got: first and second seeds, and the second seed looked. Like a 16th seed compared to Novak, because that's how far the rest of the players are to him um, when he's at this level. But you, to be fair, uh, Raonic had a huge shot in the semi-final. If not for the injury, you never know. Absolutely, and you'd think Raonic's game's possibly more suited and more, and similar to Vavrinka um, in terms of the winners and the absolutely huge serve so you know he might have challenged Djokovic a bit more but I'm not convinced he would yeah possibly and with in this form I don't think anyone can own Novak loses only if he somehow decides to have an off day which he doesn't seem like having at all well he did he did have the off day or the odd couple of <laughs> off couple of sets didn't he and that was it um against Simon but you know the, Looking at, I was looking at the uh, stats for the final against Murray and what Murray had to do, and they were very similar. This the big, the big problem with Murray is his second serve, um, the points that he concedes on his second serve, and he was only winning thirty five percent of his points in the finals. But you wouldn't think Murray would have more winners than Djokovic in that final, but he did, 
and he had more, he had twenty four more unforced errors. So is that him going for his shots, trying to play like Vavrinka, and not, and they're not coming off because you know it was like just routine Djokovic hitting the winner when he needs it, winning the points when it mattered, and never never letting Murray have any three points whatsoever. So it was just vintage. And and those two opening sets versus Federer. Yeah, I think we should leave that for Mara to analyze. <laughs> so, Mara, I, I think this is, a, <laughs> this is the right point for you to come in, or maybe the absolutely wrong point for yes, you. Yes, yes. You have no choice. Um. Well, yeah, it was disappointing again. I, I don't know if I, in my heart, I thought he had a chance. You know, he always seems to fall short against Djokovic. But I just feel like, and I remember us discussing this a little bit on the WhatsApp. We just. I didn't understand the first two sets. I know that Djokovic played really well. I let, I think Federer let him a little bit. I just don't understand. He didn't understand his tactics. He just kind of came and he tried to rally with him, got him into his rhythm, which is, you can't do that. You just cannot beat him like that. You have to do something different. You have to do something amazing and you have to be aggressive. And I just don't understand. It was really odd, those first two sets. And they went so quickly. I think they were done in about an hour's time. And then you're once... I think even once the first set had gone, I'd lost hope. But once the second set had gone, it was just completely impossible then. And, you know, he did manage to get back in that third and the crowd went crazy and it was really nice. And I, I just remember thinking, oh, I'm glad he got a set off him because it was that kind of match. I was thinking he was just going to be completely, you know, he was going to wipe the floor with him. I thought this could get really embarrassing. But, you know, he managed to get the set back and... It was kind of disappointing. He got sort of broken in the seventh game of the of the fourth. I mean, like I said, I wasn't expecting him to do anything, but I just thought, can you take it to a fifth? Can you make it so that it was a bit of more of a contest? Because the first two sets was just completely, he just blew him away. And yeah, I just, uh, it was a strange one, that one. Disappointing as usual. I was disappointed with Nishikori, actually. I thought he was going to give him a match. But he, that kind of went really quick as well, because he's the only other guy or one of the few guys who's beaten him in a um, Grand Slam, which not many have met, you know, been able to do recently. But, yeah, Federer. <laughs> I, don't know if it was, I don't know if it was easier to lose in a semi or a final. Probably easier to lose in the semi. Finals are always a bit bit harder to lose. So, yep. yeah. uh, Joe, uh, coming to you, since we have not heard your views on the absolute domination from Djokovic, what did you think of his performance in the tournament and in general? Uh, he's he's phenomenal. I tweeted after he won. It's death, taxes, and Djokovic went in the final. I mean, it's just, he just nobody can beat him. I mean, I, I don't not like Federer, but he's way past his tennis prime, so he really doesn't stand much of a chance any chance anymore. Uh, again, I love Andy Murray, but you just watch them play, and he he overpowers and overmatches everybody he plays. I just don't see anybody. Who can really touch him? He hasn't got a weak shot, has he, Joe? He hasn't got. He hasn't, there isn't a weakness there. Not, not even a little bit. He does everything. It's rare you see somebody like that who has every shot and does everything the way he does it, and he just makes everything look so easy. Uh, so I'm going to ask all of you a generic question just to see what happens. So can any of you predict who will be the next person to beat Djokovic? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with your prediction there, Ryanich. Ryanich is going to be the next one to beat him. In a Grand Slam, are we talking? Or just in, in general? In just, just his next defeat. <laughs> yeah, I'll go Because right. Grand Slam, I don't see him losing. I think the only chance is he loses <laughs> is outside the Grand Slams. I, think I would say 
Sorry, Dan, go ahead. I, I was going to say, it, it could lose to a fit Nadal in the French, um, but other than that, I'll go Ryan Nitsch just because I'm, I'm watching this one this year. I think he's he's the next one to step up into the top five for me. But with the Raonic, the problem has always been he's great at the Australian Open. But yeah, he, he just tapers as the year goes by. And Joe, you wanted to say, uh, give out a name. So Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think it could be Reinich too. He's 25, rating is, uh, should be his peak. He has a chance. It's just when you play Djokovic, you have to be perfect. And it's, it's almost impossible to be perfect or he has to be off. And both of those things just don't, very, they don't happen very often. So, Umi, who's your shout? Um, I can't really see anyone. Uh, the only one, obviously, the Vavrink has done it before. I can only really think of him. I just think yeah. he's just head and shoulders above everyone else. There's, like Dan said, that he hasn't got a weakness in his game. He just see, he seems to be getting better, and it's, it seems crazy to say, but he's just there's, you know, his athleticism. He just he gets every single ball back. You know, you'd ha- you have to hit three, four, five, six winners against him. It's ridiculous. You know, you, it, you, he just you watch him and you just, your jaw drops. It's, yeah, Vavrinka's the only other one I can think of, to be honest. Federer could beat him in some of the smaller tournaments as well. But, um, yeah, I was yeah. also going to say Vavrinka, but Vavrinka, <coughs> everything has to go right for him because I think with Djokovic now, his defensive game has like gone up ridiculously to ridiculous levels. It's almost like Nadal levels at his peak and his attacking game was always great. So this combination is like literally, as you said, un. You could say on paper is unbeatable, but so we have had names, so we'll get back when he ultimately loses if he does. So that's to one part. So, uh, Umara, in general, what do you have to say about Federer's performance in the tournament? Hot and cold or pretty much okay as you expected? Yeah, I uh, just, it's the same as in every tournament now. He does, he plays really amazingly well and then he, <laughs> Djokovic beats him. <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> been the story the last sort of year or so. So it's nothing, nothing surprising me. It's just unfortunate that they obviously had to meet in the semi instead of the final. But, you know, that's how the rankings go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, his overall performances were great. I think he had a really great game against Dolgopolov. I thought that could be a tricky one, but he played amazing tennis there. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's just the same old story with him. There's nothing... I couldn't, you know, fault his game. He just... I think just Djokovic is too good. I, like I said, I did I did wonder um, about his tactics, and I just I didn't agree. I just thought he should have just gone hell for leather and all guns blazing. And I think that's the only way you can beat him, really. Take him out of his comfort zone. His comfort zone is rallying from the back of the court, and that's what he and he got him into his rhythm. And once Djokovic is in his rhythm, it's it's impossible to get him out. But uh, overall, that, I think. Yeah, sorry. Overall, yeah, I think on, he had a, he had a he had a good tournament as much as well as, as he expected. expected. You would say. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, Dan, anything to add on to what Umi said, and you could also touch upon Andy Murray's performance. Yeah, Murray was a weird one in this. Um, it was it was it was very good, but I, I got the feeling. I honestly got the feeling that it wasn't his mind wasn't really there. Mind wasn't there. I was coming um, to say, and especially after the events. You know, with his with his father-in-law, um, I just thought, you know, you could tell that he didn't really want to be there. He, Ronit should have beaten him. If he hadn't have got injured, he probably would have. Um, and I think he just wanted to get on the earliest flight home, and I can I can see why. 
You're asking the wrong guy if you're looking for a ruthless tennis machine to develop in Andy Murray's mind during this tournament. Um, I don't think it should happen, and uh, I'm glad it didn't. Um, and, you know, he's not going to beat Andy Murray with that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, anything you want to touch upon both Federer and Murray before we move on? Uh, I think Federer is kind of what I said earlier. He He's just at the right He's at that right age, 34, where he can beat most players. But if he has to run up against Murray or Djokovic, he's, I mean, Mar is going to hate this, but he's probably going to lose. And that's just the way it is. And, I mean, as far as as far as far um, Murray goes, I, I really like him. I love him. But it's just sometimes when you watch tennis, you kind of know what the outcome is going to be. And it ruins it sometimes. And it's it kind of sucks. But I, I thought he played well. I thought he played real well. But if you don't go at... Djokovic hard you got to go at him real hard and if you don't that's kind of what happens absolutely I, I, I don't think I can add anything to what you guys have said so let's move on to the ladies section where Serena made it to the final and Angie Kerber had one of her best days if not the best day and she was great throughout the tournament also uh, she, she had an initial wobble but otherwise it was a pretty good tournament so uh, Umara and Dan, I assume you watched the final. So, what was your take on how it went? Yeah, I just who would have picked her to get into the final? I certainly didn't give her any chance, and um, and once she was there, I didn't give her a chance to win. But she she had beaten Serena before, so you know there was that element there. But I just thought she played such a great game. She mixed up. She was a great defender, and she mixed up some. Her game was, you know, she balanced it really well. She um, hit winners and she defended really well as well. Um, but Serena was off. We know that she didn't hit, she hit hardly any aces. I think she didn't hit any in the first set, which is very, very strange for Serena Williams. So um, you have to say that she was off her game, but I think she took full advantage, Angelique Kerber, and she played the angles really well as well. Um, you, Serena did make a lot of errors, Um but yeah, it's just she's a great front runner, Serena. But she sometimes has shown a bit of frailty under pressure, and I think that's maybe what it was. I was surprised that Kerber served out the first set so well, because then when it came to this, uh, to the uh, serving out the match, she couldn't, and then she had to break serve to get it um, in the end. But yeah, I just thought it was a great game. I remember sitting there and just. I wanted her to win so bad, and I just thought, come on, she's not going to do it. And when Serena came back, I thought, okay, this is this is gone now. Serena's just going to come back. But she managed to close it out really well. And um, there was a game in the third set, I think it was a 3-2, where um, it lasted for over 10 minutes, that game. And that was obviously pivotal at the end, uh, by the end of it, because that's where she broke her. It reminds me of a little bit of the Federer-Murray game in the 2012 Wimbledon final, which that that went on for about 20, over twenty minutes, um, but yeah, what those games normally kind of they either break you or make you. So that was the scene with that, and she she did um, break in that match. Although she had to then break Serena to to win the match, but yeah, I just think it was a great mixture of a defending and aggression, and you know. Again, when she was serving the match out, I thought, oh, God, she's not going to do it. Her body language was all wrong when she lost that first and second point. And it just shows the importance of serving first in the final set because I don't know if she could have done it again. 
if she was um, if Serena had been serving first, I don't think she could have broken her again and won it again. So it's really important to be serving first in that last set, especially in those slams where you don't have a tie break. I think the US Open is the only one that does. But um, yeah, I thought it was great, great win for her. We we were also chatting where I I even said this. It brings back memories of Novotna for me, where she is up so much and then absolutely, uh, literally, kind of a meltdown. Yeah. So Dan, Dan, coming to you. So what did you make of the final? Well, I, I come from a totally different perspective to Amara once again, and we always seem to be in the opposition to which players we like. But uh, I was developing a severe dislike to Kerber as this tournament was going on. Because she knocked out Azarenka, who I wanted to do well. Your <laughs> pick's free. And then she knocks out Conta in the semi, pretty much with ease, just like she did to Azarenka. And then I wanted Serena Williams to win. I wanted her to get grass record. I think it's it's looking like it's developing into quite the mental block um, with Serena. Joe will know more about you know how, how she's reacting and feeling and responding to these pressures. But it seems like you know all the build-up and the hype of the US Open seem to transfer into that final set and you just when you expect Serena I think she's she's won like 10 11 12 out of 13 final sets um you know she's always the one that comes out of the blocks when she's either come back from a set down or, or the opponents come back out so you just expect her to power on and win it um so for Kerber to to beat her and then break her to win was was phenomenal but yeah uh, during this tournament I wasn't liking her because she knocked out the three that I wanted to win but you can say that your your favourites lost to the eventual champion. That's well, nice. exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. the only positive. <laughs> Lots of seeds fell as well, didn't they, Sri? Yep. <laughs> Making it totally unpredictable. Yep, the whole point, I, I, I was thinking Azarenka actually looked really good and I thought, okay, Azarenka is through to the semis and when it looked like Conta, Conta would fail. So Azarenka, I thought Azarenka Williams would be the eventual final. That's what it looked to me at the end of the first week when I was just checking the draw. But of course, with women's singles, you never know. Only thing certain it is, Williams wins most times, but this time even that didn't happen. So, Joe, coming to you, what uh, Dan talked about this mental block with Serena. So, any inputs you would want to give based on since you follow Serena a lot and there has been more media coverage, I assume, maybe in, in your side? Oh, yeah, yeah. The American media follows Serena around, I mean, all the time. Her personal life, uh, she's got a lot of, she's, she's a pretty girl, so she has a lot of attention. Um, but, you know, Serena's, when I watch Serena play and she loses, I think the same thing every time she beat herself. Every single time, that's what I say. Because her physical ability, she shouldn't be losing to anybody. Her technical ability, she's just amazing. And I was, I was upset. I really wanted her to win because I know she's, I think she's third in all-time Grand Slams. And had she won that, she would have tied Steffi Graf for second. Obviously, I think still behind Margaret Court, but I I would love her to get that record. I'm not sure how attainable it is. I, I just it, she beats herself, and it's it's hard to see. I mean, I remember when a time when I was younger, and you know, she when I think this is when she first started. You guys will probably remember her sister Venus used to beat her all the time, and then she sort of turned turned a corner and started killing and destroying everybody, including her sister. So it's it's tough. I mean, it, you see the unforced errors, like I think Umar said. You, when you don't see her hitting aces, something's wrong. And she can get out of her game really easy. So I think that does speak to a little bit of mental toughness. She she has it, but she can also lose it real quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you make of her sportsmanship towards Angie Kerber at the end? Because 
we have had issues where where she's lost and uh, lost and absolutely the pre- post match press conference have been abysmal to say the least and there have been accusations that she's not a sporting loser obviously no one wants to lose but uh, the way she reacts in the face of loss that's been talked about a lot so for me personally it was something different to see but i would like to hear what you have to say on that i i she is a sore loser she can be a sore loser um she can kind of be a baby about things and i think a lot of that is from she just assumes she should beat everybody and that's that can be a really good quality to have or it can be a really bad quality to have and you know when she looks at kerber who's kind of like, like a journeyman type um and then probably thinks afterwards hey like how did i lose that match so if her head's not in it she loses and then she kind of acts like a big baby she's been like that her whole career mm-hmm. so it was it different for you unexpected uh, surprising uh, positively so what would you say yeah i think it was i think she was I, she handled that better than most um i think and that maybe that comes with age you know i know a lot of people say you're grown up at 18 or whatever that's what they always say in America but a lot of people mature much later in life and i think serena knows she doesn't have much tennis left i mean she she just just physically it's probably not possible so i think she handled that better than most how long how long she got yeah. left how many years do you think she's got left to uh top level tennis i'd say uh, i want to stretch it and say 3 she's 34 now I know because her birthday's right in her mind. It's her birthday September 26. So I'll say three top years. I mean, she keeps in really good shape. Um, you know, clearly, I mean, you look at her, she she almost looks like she's been taking some kind of anabolic steroids. She she's she's a fit fit woman. She's just bigger than everybody else and I like to compare her. She's almost like the LeBron James of tennis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I I think three's fair. I think she she could win six of those 12. Yeah, I and, think she definitely could. I I would love to see her get that record. I just it would take an awful lot now. And Joe, you also think she's cut down on her schedule a lot. She seems to be more frequently appearing Grand Slam rather than other tournaments. She does. And a lot of that sometimes I think she's been fined in the past for not coming to tournaments for not having legitimate excuses. I mean, it, and I don't think she really cares. I think at this point in her career, <laughs> she's absolutely looking for that that record. I think that's all she's aiming for. Uh, Dan, coming to you, uh, what Joe also said, but you could. She seemed genuinely happy for Angie to win, which doesn't happen often. Yeah, I, I've I've never quite got the criticism for uh, Serena. I know you 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 feel quite strongly about it, Serena. But I, I, you know, I think as like a bit like Andy Murray, she's got the the little. um sister little brother syndrome and that she's she had to oh you know should have had to be in venus's shadow for so long and it's going to take her a long time to develop into her own person and develop her own identity while her sister's alongside her and being successful i think since venus has dropped off i think serena's improved a lot um in terms of communication with with you got to say the outside world because the the venus family in particular are quite insular aren't they you let us be honest about this so when you get it when they are showing that grace at the end of a match it, it's it's lovely to see but i don't think any of the criticism for reactions to sports people when they lose a big final under pressure 
is is ever ever fair. I don't think you should expect people to be gracious. I think some some people develop that as they grow older with more experience. But you rarely see it from young up and coming players the grace because you know it, it's burning hot at that moment in time and they they don't they haven't learned how to win or lose yet. So it's all these things are in, influencing it. And Serena is clearly you know the the icon for the sport now in terms of uh, the women's game, and, and she, I think she's demonstrated that. Um, in losing. Uh, coming to you, Joe talked about uh, maybe she's matured with age. And we have seen recent events. We have seen her agreeing to go back to Indian Wells, which, which was a huge story by itself. And now we've seen this. So would you agree with what Joe and Dan said? And what is your views on Serena? Uh, if she's indeed a sore loser, what's your point of view? Or what do you have to say on that? Yeah, it was uh, surprisingly, she was really upbeat after losing. So that's not always the case with her. But it was a really lovely reaction from her, um, you know, and a really nice speech as well. And I think, I I don't know, I think I fell a little bit in love with Serena after that. I don't dislike Serena at all. I just, I I kind of am the person who always was the underdog. So that's why you always find me saying, oh, I want someone else to win. But I do like Serena. And I think I, I, I... admired her a lot more after that and I think she's probably won a lot more fans after that as well and it might be um to something to do with her getting a bit older and maybe she's you know mentally sort of preparing that she's not going to win everything now I mean I think I don't know if she's got three more years I don't know she's 34 now I'd, I'd probably say maybe two at a push but you don't know like I said there's nobody rivaling her at all in the game I mean no one even comes close and that's quite a shame actually you've got the next best is probably Sharapova but that's that's not a rivalry she's probably I think she's beaten her twice and she's and Serena's won 20 times or something like that so that's that's not you can't even call that a rivalry at all so there's no one that comes even close to her I mean it, it would be nice for someone to challenge her now um to create something a bit more competitive in the women's game I know we do have these wins where someone will sporadically beat her here and there but in the general rule is Serena Williams will win or she will beat you that's that's how it works so it's it will be nice for someone else to to come along and sort of kind of challenge her but yeah I thought it was a great reaction and yeah it was a little bit too great I just thought you know she needed to be a bit more upset I don't know maybe she was when she got home but yeah it was all smiles and lovey-dovey wasn't it really it was a bit odd Maybe uh, the initial thought, and we discussed this also, me on WhatsApp, about that she she's now come to accept her performances. And I think that's a big change, which would do her good is what I think she's won. She's at peace with herself. Whether win or lose, if she's given her best, she looks to be pleased with herself. And I think as Joe also said, she has maybe a couple of years. She's now just decided that she's just going to enjoy the sport and most times it actually turns out positive. So let's just wait and see where it goes. Maybe she could just walk away with the other three slams. I think she will. I mean, but she's so close to it now. I don't know if she's at peace. I think she's probably really wants to do it now. So I think she's maybe there's, you know, the other element there where she's now really putting pressure on herself. Maybe that's the reason as well. Because I think now she's so close. She re- she wants to do it. Maybe. So we we also had a great British story. And I think it's best that Dan starts this. So, Dan, the ladies' side semi-finals, good for British tennis. What do you have to say about her run? Uh, it was an unexpected run, especially when she was drawn against um, Serena's sister Venus <laughs> in the first round. I didn't expect that. But then 
Uh, in fairness, I thought I don't think Venus Williams was fully um, fit. Um, but for me, the game of the game of the um, run to the to the semi final was against uh, Makrova in around the sixteen uh, when it went eight six in the third, and you know. If, to come back like she did and to keep coming back under the pressure that McCrover were putting her under because it was you know, one of the games that I watched all the way through. It was, you know, it, it, it the reaction to it, the reaction to the victories took, um, <clears throat> women's tennis in, in Britain to a level of coverage that I've never seen yet before. I can't remember, you know, when it, the, the, um, buzz before the semi-finals was huge. And I can't remember a buzz like that around the Australian Open within British sporting reporting or news. It was on all the news. It was on, you know, there was a lot more reporting in the newspapers. There were people talking about it on Twitter who don't usually talk about tennis. So it, in terms of that, it was, it was huge. And then obviously there's always the debates about the nationality. Is she actually British? The Aussies was trying to claim her and all that nonsense. And she actually said, well, I've got three passports, so you can all shut up. So it's just, it's just a, it would, it was just great to see. And she, and it's been, she's been knocking on the door. Let's not, um, you know, she, she had, a, she won before the US Open there. She had a big run of victories and was arguably the form player out of the top, um, 50 to 60 going into this year, apart from the obvious. And then, you know, so that wasn't so much as a, as a surprise, but the way, she, um, the way Kerber dealt with her in the, in the final, in the semi-final was, I think you saw the experience. I think Kerber was a level above on all the shots. Um, Conta tends to rely on, uh, a game intelligence, like Amara mentioned earlier, the angles that she puts on the opponent and just keeps getting it back. So, you know, I'm not sure she's a, someone who could or will stay or get higher than, you know, maybe top 10, but, it was very enjoyable to see um, during this tournament. And she seems to be a lot more switched on now. You know, She seems to recognise her faults and how she has to not focus on negatives while she's playing and stuff. So um, she does put a lot of her credit down to um, sports psychologists. So, yeah, you know, well well played to her. So, Umi, coming to you, so is it a one-off or do you think she, this is just the beginning of a good year for her with the way she played? What's your take on her run? No, I don't think it's a one-off. She had a really good run at the US Open as well. And I don't think any of us thought she could better that here uh, at the Australian Open. So, And she did. Um, but yeah, it, most of the talk surrounding um, British women's tennis was around Heather Watson and Laura Robson. To be honest with you, before last year, I hadn't even heard of Conta. To be, and she's 24. She's a couple of years older than those other girls. So, And 24, as we know, is quite... Um, you're getting on a bit in tennis terms. But, um, yeah, so it was all about them. Uh, no, I hadn't, she's kind of kept under the radar, and now she's suddenly, she did really well at the end, the back end of last year and um, had that run in the US Open and now again here at the Australian Open. So I hope it's not a one-off. I think she can, she's got the belief now to do better and she's, you know, she can, she plays well as well. So that's going to help. But, um yeah, it was a great one. I remember because the matches were overnight, I couldn't get up to watch all of them. I kept waking up and, oh, was, was, is, has, did she win? Did she win? And she kept winning. And I was like, oh my God, she won again. And it was, it's really great for British tennis. I think the women's side has been lacking for a long time now. Obviously on the men's, we've got Andy Murray, but we did need a, a female to 
take it to another level and she has done for for British tennis anyway so hopefully she can carry that on uh, yeah into the next sort of few months into the hard court swing Joe did you manage to catch her run were you impressed by her performance i'm not sure if you've seen her before but you are correct yeah i thought she was great she was awesome she was sensational actually she was great story you know she's a you know she became a british citizen in 2012 i mean she was born in sydney australia to hungarian parents so she's kind of all over the map but i was really hoping that she would have beat kerber and played serena in the final that's a great story for uh British tennis. You know, she's the first she's the first British female in 32 years to reach a semifinal of a Grand Slam. That's a big accomplishment. And I don't think it's a one-off. She she she's good. She's really good. Interesting. Interesting. So let's just wait and see maybe next Grand Slam we'll see she has a good run. So Dan coming to you. What about the other Mare? Yes. <laughs> the Dana Doubles. I was, I, it, there was one Mare that was switched on. <laughs> changes his partner and then uh, and then goes all the way to the to the final to win it. I just can I just quickly come back on to I just wanted sure, to say sure. about the uh, women's game. I just I noticed something when I was looking at all the all the scores for the for the individual games and the the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Not one game went to three sets, which is such a disappointment when you you know you want to see close matches and every single match. Was was just winning straight sets. Apart from obviously, you've got the final, and it was similar to the men's. You know, this wasn't a classic tournament where you were, you were not looking at it and going, "Oh, there is this, these classic matches." You know, the Murray one went to five sets in the semi, but the other guy got injured. You know, there wasn't many classic games in this tournament, and I thought the doubles where is it a lot more exciting? Um, demonstrated some of that, and I've watched a lot more of it this uh, this tournament. Shreed, have you got any analysis of, <laughs> of the whole thing yeah. itself? Yeah, I thought actually Jamie Murray was the strong guy. Actually, he, I think he had a great tournament. I don't usually watch men's doubles that much because there's lack of presence, Indian presence. So I stop watching. But especially when once the Bryans have started dipping, I don't watch. But this tournament, I did watch almost all of the men's doubles. I I thought the best team indeed won this time. I thought they were the best team, so I'm happy that they did win. I think they were solid throughout. There was no major jitters, but they they were good throughout the tournament. So it's good, at, at least as you said, some somebody with the, your namesake won. You could say. Well, you got how strong is um, Jamie Murray's serve for doubles? He's got that McEnroe-esque serve, hasn't he? It's perfect <laughs> yeah, for doubles and then the volley. So yeah, it, it allows your partner to get into position. Exactly, it's it's it sets up the point. I think his serve sets up most of the points, which is a huge asset in doubles because doubles you see lots of breaks because it's it's if your serve isn't right, it's immediately hands over the impetus to your opposition. So I think his serve, if he gets it right, sets up the point most often than not. Absolutely, and fair play to to Souls as well. Yep. So he. he he also had a good tournament he had a decent run in the mixed doubles as well so he he, he had an overall good tournament so so joe uh, what's your take on the doubles i'm not sure how much of doubles did you indeed watch but if you did watch what was your take on it uh very minimal i watched i'm not usually a big doubles fan um i know the brian brothers used to be really good i don't think they're that good anymore but i did find it interesting on the women's side that martina hingis wins and i, I 
so weird seeing her in doubles. You used to see her, you know, a few years back in singles, and then she kind of, I believe, retired in singles. 38 match winning run as on date. Wow. Really? Yeah, now they are on 38. Double stats. You don't get that anywhere else, Ray. <laughs> Nowhere. They are, <laughs> they, are, they are playing in, at St. Petersburg now. So they have won the first two. So they are now on 38. Wow. She's, I, she's, I actually don't remember when they last lost. She's taking on a namesake's um, <laughs> mantle, Nat Matalova, who, who famously has carried on playing doubles for years and winning all that as well. Yeah, absolutely solid, solid. So, Umi, I, I'm, I know that you didn't watch much of doubles, but did you watch Jamie Murray since there was a British presence we are talking about? I didn't catch that match no but um yeah it's great that at least one Murray won. You would have <laughs> if you'd have asked at the beginning of the tournament Murray which Murray would be. Yeah, you you wouldn't think it would be this one but yeah that's nice at least one did the job and got <laughs> brought a trophy home. But uh, as we know Andy Murray got an even nicer present when he got home his little girl so that's okay. Um Yeah, I was going to just ask you Shree about the ladies doubles. How is that because obviously you've got an Indian um player in there who who keeps winning everything now. How is it in receives in India? Is she a massive superstar? How does it work there? Yeah, yeah, she, she, yeah, she's been hailed, she's been given the highest sporting honors possible in the country and she mm-hmm. she, she she is a huge star and a role model for the game. The only thing is now india is firmly now known as a doubles specialist nation rather than singles let's remember a few years back sanya was good in singles she was in the top 30 in the world and that's when the injuries started taking a toll her, her wrist totally went off she was out for a year almost and then she she tried out the doubles and she was comfortable she had good results she was stuck to that but this partnership they just started because leander knew hingis very well so i think he advised her to partner with sanya and 38 match winning and i i think they are they are the closest to as obvious as djokovic now we are sure djokovic would win in men's singles and this literally looks the same i wouldn't be sup- only if they get bored they are going to lose i don't see them losing otherwise because the games are so made for each other sanya has one of the biggest serves if you could ask in women's tennis and hingis has great hands so most it's most times it's just literally wash out so 38 it's only the question of when this run is going to stop i think again petersburg they are going to win and the points difference is so huge they have won literally everything that's there in the last few months so i'm just going to wait and see where it takes them so so why does she does she not enter the singles tournaments at all i don't ever see her name no, in sanya, the draw no Sa- sanya doesn't play singles anymore at all okay that's interesting she's just a, because her body doesn't cope So she plays the mixed doubles and she plays the doubles. I think mixed doubles who was she with was she with Suarez? I think I'm not sure. She was with Suarez I think. Bruno Suarez. I think she plays with Bruno Suarez or no? Because I didn't follow the mixed doubles this year so I'm not sure who she played because I was, I was firmly watching the women's doubles and there's such a gulf between her, their team and any other teams which come off. so i think this run is going to continue for a while but 30 i think i don't know maybe dan might know but i think the highest ever is 46 so they they are slowly but surely approaching there do you think they'll break that sounds like they will yeah they should i wouldn't be I, it's fair to say i would be surprised if they don't because i think clay court clay court they should still do well i don't see why because 
Hingis has a all weather coat, all weather game. You could say all weather, all court games. I don't think there's a problem that she's going to suffer in any type of court. And Sanya can help them through with her serve alone. So I think, I think that's a good pairing, and I think they should go all the way through to forty six. So that's about women's double. You're listening, You're listening to to the Anfield Index podcast channel. Joe, since you're on, we wanted. to hear about us tennis any outlook any players to watch out for what do you think because recent years we have not seen huge presence like it used to be in the last decade or in the 90s where you would have agassi sampras jim courier uh, you would have capriati you would have you would have lots of players coming up then the williams sisters but nowadays i the only name i can surely think of is sloan stephens I'm not very sure about any names which comes to my mind straight forward. Sorry if I missed it. But Joe, I wanted to hear about U.S. tennis and the outlook for the future. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. There's not a lot in the pipeline. You know, we went from having you know Jim Curry or, uh, or uh, you know, we had so many good men's players, Agassi, Sampras, and even on the women's side, you know, you, you got the Williams sisters going back further, Chris Everett, um, you know, Navratilova. I, I used to love Jennifer Capriati. Oh yeah. Well, she's the one who had the drug problems, am I right? Problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was a star until she kind of ruined herself there. It's a shame, but um yeah, there's not a, I mean, you said Sloane Stevens, she's I think a US is kind of hanging their hopes on her, but I don't really know how good she's going to be. I know she's had her little back and forth with Serena Williams. Um I don't know how much. I know they say they like each other. I really don't think Serena likes her at all, and I think it's vice versa. <laughs> vice versa. Um, and on the men's side, there is and here's the big problem with American uh, America and sports in general. Tennis is a sport that a lot of younger uh, boys and girls play, and what happens is is when they kids get older, the athletes who are really good separate themselves. They always end up picking different sports. They never stay. with tennis whether it be basketball whether it be football you know women our soccer team is very good i mean that's and our best athletes end up playing somewhere else now that's a huge problem and that won't change until somebody makes it cool again if you guys know what i mean like serena makes tennis cool for really all americans not just women uh but you know the, there is a kid who's he's 17 he's from maryland his name is um francis tiofe is a uh, parents immigrated from Sierra Leone. He is supposed to be our next big thing. Uh he's coached by Jose Hugueras who coached or at one time worked with Federer, Sampras and Jim Courier. But the problem is is you get this kid he's 17, you build him up, you know, he's he's signed with Jay-Z's Rock Nation Sports Agency, which is they're looking for the next big thing. You don't sign with that if you don't have the talent. But my big issue is is he gets it's too much too soon. and it's almost sabotaging this young man's career but that's kind of who we're hanging our hopes on right now there's not much out there i think jack saw played in um the australian open he didn't fare well and neither did sloan stevens but yeah i mean it's we have our model of tennis is usually academies so i know img in florida is a huge academy which is where many of our stars and actually um maria sharapova when she moved from russia she was 7 she trained there and the european model is a little different european model usually has like a you know a network of regional training centers a little bit different but yeah there's there's not a ton there and if, if this kid works out great but usually when you put that much pressure on a young man like that usually is not going to pan out 
So it's, I guess everything goes through cycles, but yeah, this is kind of where we're at right now. Dan, Umar, anything you want to add on or ask anything to Joe about US tennis? No, I was just looking at the rankings and in the ladies' side, uh, you've mentioned Sloane Stephens, Madison Keys are the only ones really, apart from Serena. Um, they're ranked 24 and 25. So after Serena, is there anyone really who's going to take her place? It doesn't seem like it yet, but I do like Madison Keys. I think she's got a good game. Um, and on the men's side, you've got John Isner is number 12. And then the next guy after him is Jack Sock at 23. And neither really is it doesn't seem is going to break through into the you know sort of semi-final final stages of grand slams it doesn't seem like it anyway so yeah there's not much <laughs> look at, i mean unless, right. unless there's <laughs> unless oh, there's some right. great youngsters coming through who went you know who we don't know about yet it doesn't seem that bright and it's a shame really because US tennis been great in the past and they've had some amazing names so um Yeah, just um hoping that someone's going to come through, break through and um continue Serena's form and you know the 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 guys from the past as well, their form as well. Yeah, this this Tiofi kid, he, he, just look for the name. Yeah, I, th- I think he's played he's turned professional because he signed a contract. And again, somebody like Jay-Z's agency wouldn't go after somebody like him um if he if he didn't have ridiculous talent, but you know again you're hanging your hat on that and he could be great he could be the next big thing or he could just be another you know donald young if you guys remember mm. donald young <laughs> yeah how how old is how old is he again joe uh he's he's 17 because i was <clears throat> we're looking at i was looking at for some prospects and uh just comparing like year end rankings for 7 18 and 19 year olds so it's getting to the stage you know cuz becker was at Famous to 17 and mm-hmm. Agassi when he started. Agassi was world number three by the age of 18. Um, Nadal was world number two by the age of 19. Federer, Djokovic and Murray a little bit late developers. You know, Djokovic was only ranked 16 in the world at 19. Um, Federer 29th in the world at 19. And all he won, but he still didn't develop on that stage. Do you think he could be a developer and break into the top 50 this season? Or is it someone that you think maybe when he's a little bit older, 18, 19? I, I personally think he's a little bit older. I mean, I think he played, I'm trying to remember the match he played recently. It was like a, a 30-year-old like journeyman, and he just got crushed. Because I, go, I think they go out there and their confidence is just not where it needs to be. And I think a lot of it is it's the country we live in. You know, we want the next thing and we want it right now. And that's, sometimes it's just not possible. And, you know, a lot of times agents and players and USTA, they, their relationships fall apart. And then you see stuff like this happen. But, yeah, I think he, he's going to need some time, in my opinion. But, again, he wouldn't be looked at and being talked about the way he is if he didn't have an unbelievable amount of talent. I'm looking forward to watching him develop now. So, uh, Joe, coming to what's his game style like? Is he, like, the guy who just keeps the point going or is he like this attacking i've never seen him i've not heard the name to be fair so would like to know your take on it i think he's more of a he crushes the ball he's a strong kid i mean if you if you've seen a picture of him maybe when you get more done you guys can google him he he's a he's big for his age um he doesn't look like a 17 year old i think his game if i had to compare him to somebody um he's got hard everything uh, so i'm trying to think of I'm never the big on comparisons. Um and I'd hate to use a big name and then be like, "Whoa, he might end up being that guy." 
when he could be some stiff and then I look like an <laughs> idiot later. <laughs> so, but he, he has YouTube clips all over the internet. Uh, you guys can watch that. And then maybe you guys can come back and tell me who you think he's like. I, I just don't, I don't like the comparisons. I'm not a big fan on that. So Joe on his first appearance has given all of us a homework already. <laughs> to do for the next podcast. Good stuff. <laughs> Solid debut. Solid debut. This is what you would call us a top debut. So just Thank to you. round off the Austrian Open, your favorite moment from the Open, if you could name one which comes to your top of the mind. Umi, I'll come to you first. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go for Joanna Conta's r- just run on a whole, as a whole. I thought that was great. Great. Not unexpected as well. So it was nice to to see that. Dan? Uh, Jamie Murray. Jamie Murray winning uh, <laughs> the doubles. You you do have options, right? On this. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Some, something to bring up to. So, Joe? Like, like I said, there weren't many classic <laughs> matches. There weren't many classic matches. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, Joe, coming to you, your favorite moment from the Open? And I'm probably going to butcher her name, but it was, sh- I think it's Shuai Zhang. I thought she was an unbelievable story. She actually almost retired before that. And then she had a really good run. Another career journeyman. You know, she had, she, I think she had lost every Grand Slam match before that Australian Open 2016. And she ended up losing the Kanta, but her story was great. I loved it. That's a top shout, actually. I read great an show. article yeah, about it. Yeah. For for me, just for the sheer quality of tennis, the opening two sets of Djokovic is Federer. Though I didn't like it as a personal choice, but that level of tennis at that stage of a tournament was unreal. Especially considering he just had a wobble before. That was like unreal tennis for me. So for me, it has to be those two sets of Djokovic versus Federer. I know Umi is just hating me. <laughs> Shree, honestly. <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> but... But uh, that ha- was my choice of moment. So the last section before we close it out is going to be something we are going to talk about. Three youngsters whom we think would have a good year or wants to watch out for. So Dan, si- since you suggested this topic, I'm going to come to you first and hear your choices. Yeah, well, fir- first off, I'm going to say um, there's a couple of obvious ones, but I'm going to go with the, le- the less obvious one first. Uh, currently ranked 69, and that's Yong Chung, uh, the South Korean. Um, he's only he's only 19 at the moment, and if you have seen him, he's usually got really brightly framed um, glasses on. And the reason why he started to play tennis was because when he was six, um, the doctors advised that the green of the courts would help with his weak eyesight. So he might not develop into world number one because of the weakness of the eyesight, but he's some player, and that was the initial um, inspiration to get him into tennis. Um, and the, the player that he's looked up to, Djokovic. So, and I was going to bring it in earlier when Joseph mentioned the IMG Academy because he spent two years there between the ages of 13 and 15. Um, so at the moment, it, you'd think, you'd hope, like I said, at 19 years old, he would be higher up in the rankings. Um, but he was voted by the players the most improved player in 2015. So that tells you, you know, his, his commitment and not only his commitment to tennis, when he, um, Towards the end of last year, he spent two months doing his military service or some military training in South Korea. So, you know, they don't, Andy Murray never had to do that all year. Though you imagine a training session with Judy Murray might be similar. Okay, that's your first shout. So I'll be watching for Hyung Chong. So who's the second? Well, they, it's, it's not really 
a, a tip for an up and coming player um, because Chorich has been tipped for big things for a long a long time. Um, the Croatian looks similar to uh, got a similar look to Djokovic. Djokovic, uh, has yeah. got similar similar shots. Uh, famously knocked Nadal out in um, Basel last year. Um, yeah, so it is. He he's tipped for big things. Um, I, I watched him in Rotterdam. Um, it was only in the first round against a Dutch guy, De, De Graaf or something like that. And uh, you can you can see if I think it's it serves too flat. He could do with a couple of extra inches for to get the height on his serve to get the power that Djokovic has got. Um, but at the moment. You can see the similar similarity in all his other shots, um, and he's, he's very strong um, and wants to get to world number one. So he's obviously been brought with the same kind of mindset as Djokovic. So, uh, and again, like I said, the other one's not very obvious, but curiosity in terms of rankings, in terms of stats, and in terms of being at a level um, to suggest you're going to be the next Djokovic or Federer or Murray is uh, Nick Kyrgios, but the only thing that's holding him back is clearly himself, because he's probably the most talented out of the three. He's got the height, he's got the serve, he's got the shots, but he hasn't got it between the ears at the moment. So if he sorts his head out, as they say, um, then he'll probably be the best out of the three. Mm-hmm. And the third? That's the three, Kyrgios, Chorich and... Oh, Kyrgios, uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I did miss the first one. Sorry. So, Umi... Three names, anything which matches with Dan's list, or you have all different names? I've picked a couple of ladies, is that okay? Yep, please, yeah, I okay. also have them. <laughs> um, mine are all girls, actually. I'm going to go a couple of obvious ones. Um, uh, Muguruza, I think she's she's only 22 still, so she's got some time to develop a bit more, but she's already reached a Grand Slam final. And, you know, she does seem to have the game... It, Again, you know, everyone just seems to fall short against Serena Williams. So I think, you know, it possibly could have been looking at her first Grand Slam title had she been playing anyone else. So I think she's definitely got the game to to compete at that top level. I know she went out early in the Australian Open, which was quite a shock. So, but I think she's um, she's one of those ones that could be um, successful in the future. Um, I've then got Madison Keys. I had as one of my up and coming. I know she's been up and coming for maybe a little while, but she's got a good game. She's got big forehand. She's good at the net as well. So that's another one that, you know, another thing I think that maybe might take her to the next level because you don't have many of the women players who like to come to the net. So maybe she can um, bring something different to the game there. She's ranked 24 now. So um, I think she's a good one for the future. And my last one is um, Bencic, Belinda Bencic. Um, she's ranked 11 at the moment. But I think, again, it seems like the benchmark at the moment for women is if you beat Serena Williams, you've got a good future. And she has, she has beaten Serena Williams in the last year she beat her. So I think she's got a good game. She's Swiss as well, so she's got that going for her. Bencic, <laughs> that, Bencic, that always Bencic if I think, is the youngest player in the top 20. Yeah, she's uh, 18. 18 or 17? How much? Yeah, she's 18. 18 now. Yeah, she's 18 now. Probably turned 18 recently. But um, And and wasn't wasn't it Benchich who actually beat Radvanska in the pre-Wimbledon? I think. Possibly. I'm not yeah. sure. She's coached he, by Martina Hingis's mother as well, I think. So. Ah, that's, that's some fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. the, the players from Switzerland seem to do well. <laughs> so I'm hoping that she's going to do well as well. 
So, Joey, coming to your shouts, any names which is already mentioned or you're having three different names? Uh, I had Korich. Um, I hope I'm saying that name right. He was one of mine. And my other two, one of them was Alex Zverev. I butchered these names. He's that 6'6 kid, um, the German kid. He he looks real good to me. Um, not sure what his rank is. And my other one would be, I'm going to butcher this name too, Karina, Karina Withoff, who I believe is German, and she's 20. They would be the three that I would, I'm going to see how they do this year. Okay, so my my three have been taken by all of you. I had originally Korich, I had Madison Keys, I had Zverev. So I'm going to try and come up with different names. One of the names I had in mind was... Uh, I don't know. Actually, again, I'm going to struggle with the pronunciation. I'm not sure if you have heard him. Elias Mer is the sweet guy who's the youngest teenager who actually qualified for all four Grand Slams last season. So no. that is, yeah, I, I think he's still outside the top 100, I think, but he's 19 now. But in terms of making Grand Slams consistently, at the age of 19 was good. I think he's still outside. He's a Swedish guy. So I think he's outside the top four. I had one. Another name I had in mind was this guy. Again, shows at their age, their, their consistency is so wildly oscillating. Was I'm not sure if you have heard him either. Andre Rublev. Uh, he's, he's 17. So I think this is the year where I think... Uh, he gets into the proper professional levels and try, I think his target would be to make the top 100 because I think he's way beyond 150. I've seen only two or three matches of his, but I was really impressed. At his age, his decision making was solid, but the results are oscillating. So that's the second name I had. Uh, another thing about Madison Keys, maybe Joe might like it. Madison Keys now, I think, is coached by Lindsay Davenport. So, yeah, yeah, she is. She is, she- right? So I. I think I'm not Devin, high on her like you guys are. I mean, maybe it's just me. I, I just I don't I don't see it. I think she she's been around a couple of years now, and maybe that's why people are thinking, oh, she hasn't done anything yet. But she's quite young still, and she had a you know good, good point. little run at the Australian as well. So I don't know. I think she's got the game anyway. She you know hopefully she'll develop a bit more and get a bit more confidence as she's a bit older. But she's got big shoes to fill. That's the thing, Serena Williams. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you can't really follow that up. No, and I think that's that's a huge problem. But uh sounds mm-hmm. like you and I have a wager, Ooms. <laughs> we, we'll see. We'll see what she does this year. <laughs> if she does, if she wins something this year, you have to have a Nutella sandwich. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That's you a have to. <laughs> you have to a, a spoon so, of Nutella. Okay. I yeah? can do that. And you have to vine can... it and send it to me because I don't believe you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I could lie my way through that one. No, yes. you can't. You have to send me a video. Fair enough. <laughs> cool. We're, we're done. So, we're sorted. It's so, all recorded now. I'll do the same <laughs> yeah. if Federer wins a Grand Slam. What are you going to do? That's not going to happen. There's more chance of Madison Keys winning the tournament. What are you going to do, though? You're going to eat Nutella? Yeah, I don't like you, that either. Do you, don't you? Oh, my word. Okay. All right. I like well, chocolate, but not chocolate spread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay. okay. Well, okay, the, my... but the federal bet, it doesn't, it doesn't work because we know he's, you know, this is very unlikely he's going to win another Grand Slam now. So, <laughs> to think of something else. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The third name I have in mind, which has not been covered before, is Carolina Pliskova. Uh who's had a solid 
2015 at least uh, she won that second tier year in championship she made six tournament finals last year and she helped check win the fed cup so i think she's just outside the top 10 or just inside the top 10 i'm not sure about the latest rankings but uh, i think she's a name to watch out for a- any eastern european girls are always the names to watch out for in women's tennis personally for me so this, karolina pliskova this to the two russians who played in the wimbledon uh, uh, girls final blinkova and sofia juk they they're both two up and coming uh, russian players they're the best two up and coming russian players I, who have both had stints as well in america like sharapova I think those are uh, that is the region to watch out for women's tennis definitely I think that's where the future lies so Carolina Pliskova is another name I would be looking forward to so that's almost a wrap for the show but before we get off uh, any plugs joy coming to you anything no. you are doing no no not really I'm 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 on the uh AI Brazilian pod um anything lined up now in another episode or anything upcoming I believe we are meeting we're, we're meeting Tuesday. Yeah. We're meeting the next Brazilian pod. Okay, so that's something to watch out for. So people Joey is going to be on the Brazilian pod, so do take this chance and hear him to hear if you are a Liverpool fan obviously. Anfield Index is the place to go. So Dan, anything coming up from your side? I know you've been busy on the personal front, but anything coming up? Yeah, there'll be a under pressure pod after the um after the Aston Villa game with Gags uh, probably say as well and um yes there should be I've been testing the Android Anfield Index app and it's working okay for me but uh, that hopefully that'll be out soon for all those people who who, uh, who much prefer the Android <laughs> system so umi anything you're writing recently written i have written i have written something on uh the player that everyone loves at the moment Simon <laughs> I've written something about him hopefully that should be out soon and I'm doing the live birds pod in a couple of days so yeah those two things pending for me okay so from my side the shouts would be we have had a recent global anfield index podcast talking about the five years of a umi you were on it i think yeah So I think that would be the thing to watch out for personally from myself and Dan has already said that Android app is out soon I'm also testing it alongside and giving gags uh, comments so to ensure that we have a great app on the first session so Android app is something I personally I'm looking forward to so that brings about a wrap for this show so we should be back very soon with another episode and thanks Joe for making it uh, we hope to have you again I would love to come on again thanks for having me guys and as usual thanks to umi and dan You're thanks welcome. no worries mate thanks we'll we'll get back soon this time really <laughs> <laughs> we hopefully we make that promise but let's hope to get back soon so thanks guys thanks for the thanks to the listeners for always listening in and any feedback it's always welcome please give us a shout if you like the show thank you
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.